Hey guys, welcome to episode 3. My guest today is the always funny Sean Vaco, and we discuss 2020 dramatic comedy The King of Staten Island, starring Pete Davidson and Marissa Tomei. I had a lot of fun recording this one, and I hope you guys have as much fun listening to it. And now, on with the show. So what what made you pick this movie? Uh I don't know. It just looked funny. I've been to uh I've been to one of his comedy shows before. Have so you really? I was like, yeah, he came to Rochester uh a while ago, but he came. Like I think it was last How uh, was it? So Pete Davis, he was funny. Uh it was really good. It was over at uh Comedy at Carlson. Okay. So I like him. It was, he's, he's... It was good. He was vulgar as hell, which I like, and I can obviously, you know, identify <laughs> with. Yeah, I, I think he's hilarious. I saw him on SNL, and uh, he's not in a whole lot of skits, but the ones he's in, I think, are hilarious. He's, it's just funny because he plays himself in everything. Right, right. And I think this movie was just like the 100% like nail in the coffin that this is who he is. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, he always shows up. He's got the two buddies, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, and um, who's the other guy? Oh, another comedian that's with him. Yep. Oh no, it's the uh, the prim and proper guy. What's his name? Yeah, which is crazy because like yeah, it's like but the they're opposite, like best friends. Uh, it's like the good and evil angel on his shoulder. Yep. Yep. It's awesome. I love it. I love that they're best friends too. Oh my god, it's gonna kill me that I don't know his name. He's like Jewish and dark hair, and that's not going to help anybody in the comedian world. But <laughs> Minga Posh, I can't remember who it is. I'll think gonna, of it like, like right, right exactly. after. Exactly. Mid episode, we're going to be screaming out his name. Yep. Uh, John Mulaney. There you go. That's He's funny as hell, too. He's I very funny. I love his stand up. I've seen a million of his things, both on like YouTube and Netflix and all of it. And very different from uh, Pete Davidson. He's, he's very clean. Dude, he wears a suit to every show. Pete Davidson does not. How he, he dresses in the movie not. is how he, it's literally how he, uh, how he goes to his stand-ups, which is fine. It's great. I'm there which not is fine. to see a suit. I'm there to hear your freaking jokes. So I'm cool with it. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's hilarious. This movie is semi-autobiographical, would you say? I don't know much about Pete Davidson's history. Um, but Based on the ending of it and everything, too, he had to have an attachment to it. It's the first movie he's ever done. It had to connect with him. And I think, like, on the I'm just going to smoke weed and kind of do my thing and not give a shit about anybody else. Like, that's his M.O. You know what I mean? So, like, I think it wasn't really – I hate to say it because I thought he was pretty good in the movie, but I could be good in a movie if I played myself, too. Right. So uh, he actually wrote this movie, him – Judd Apatow and another gentleman named Dave Cirrus, who was a writer on SNL, okay. uh, wrote this movie. And it is semi-autobiographical. So I don't know if you know this or not. Pete Davidson's father died. Uh, he's a firefighter, and he died in 9-11. Okay, so I thought the movie was about you know, him in the movie and his dad dies in 
I liked it that it, they didn't take it that far because I thought that's like the timeline was like, oh, obviously his dad died in 9-11. And actually like the twist was like, no, he just dies in this hotel fire. And I was like, that's cool because they didn't go with a, like an easy out. You right, know what I the mean? Obvious, the obvious connection. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Pete described this movie as what he thinks his life would be like had he not found comedy. I could see that. Yeah, of course, because he was playing himself. Yeah, he he started doing comedy around uh, 16, 17 years old. And um, just, you know, nightclubs and stuff like that. And kind of made a name for himself. Based on how yeah, he right, right, Exactly. <laughs> he, plays, he plays 24 in this movie. I think he's about 26 or so in real life. Yeah. No, um, I think he's 26 or 27. Yeah. So Amy Schumer, who is a huge Pete Davidson fan, um, was actually talking to Judd Apatow on the set of Trainwreck when uh, Judd Apatow, you know, wanting to stay hip and young, uh, asked Amy, who who should I know? Who's up and coming that I should be aware of? And Amy immediately said that, uh, you know, this guy, Pete Davidson, he's, he's probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. So uh, Judd Apatow hires Pete Davidson to be an extra on the movie uh, Trainwreck. He's got one speaking line. Uh, and that's where he meets Bill Hader, who's the other you know leading actor in that movie. Have you seen Trainwreck? I have not. It's, should I put that on my list of things? It's pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to say it's amazing, it's, but it's pretty it's good. Pretty, I mean, if you don't have anything else to do, sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, if you if you just want a mindless movie, you've had a couple of drinks or a little smoke, and you just want something to laugh at, that's a good movie to to put on. It doesn't require a whole lot of attention, but it'll definitely make you laugh in a few scenes. See, and I've I've said it. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Netflix Netflix needs to come up with their own category for movies to watch while you're on your phone. So oh, I'll, I'll add that under that category. Yeah, that is a great idea. Uh, so Bill Hader and and Pete Davidson hit it off on the set. Uh, according to Pete, they only had like a few different moments of conversation until Bill called him the next day and said, "By the way, I recommended you to Lauren Michael uh, to be on SNL." So and that that's oh, it. The rest I history. didn't know that that was his in SNL. Holy yeah. crap! So he gets on SNL and, and becomes a star, and uh, you know, before you know it, him and Judd Apatow are making a movie called The King of Staten Island, that's which is awesome. what we're talking about here today. That's right. Um, normally, I would sit here and, and describe the synopsis of the movie uh, for the listeners who haven't seen it, um, but. I mean, I got to be honest. First off, the movie is an incredible two hours and 16 minutes. I couldn't believe it was that long. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, comedies, comedies notoriously do not go that long. Um, nope. And I would definitely describe this as a, either a comedy or, or a dark comedy in some some spots. Um, yeah, really long. I, to me, that was kind of a strike one. Uh, I, I just really I feel like it didn't me. need to be that long. Like I would get behind it if there was like a lot of character development and you, there was like multiple layers, especially to Pete Davidson as the main character. Uh, but realistically, I really didn't see a lot of change or like there was like one moment towards the end where he does a little bit of like self-reflection and you can kind of see that with him. But like, honestly, the characters, like they were good and they were entertaining, but like nothing... You know what I mean? It really didn't keep you in going, what's going on? What's the next, you know, what's going to be the next crisis? How are they going to handle that? What did they learn? How do they move on? Like, if you're going to go over two hours, like, I want to see evolution of characters, both side characters and the main one. Oh, I agree 100%. I, I think the movie being two hours and 16 minutes, 
um, did not need to be the case. They could have cut out a lot of stuff. Um, Pete's, Pete's character does not really, you know, typically with movies like this, you got the guy who's a you know stoner loser in the beginning. And as time goes on, he realizes, Oh, I should, I should make something of myself and become a better person. And he does have these, I'll call baby steps at the end of the movie where he starts kind of like becoming not a immature adult. Um, but there's not much growth there. There's there's not a whole lot. And like realistically, Bobby, like I, I just wanted to yell at his character, like grow the fuck up. Yeah, like right, life's exactly. not easy. Life's not fair. Like I get it. Your dad died. I can't identify with that personally. But like trauma happens all the time. Like, are you going to let it completely control your life or there's got to come a point in time? Listen, a tattoo restaurant it's the shittiest idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but, like, if that's your dream, fucking do it, man. Like, that's awesome. Like, go all about it. Stop telling people about it and start taking steps to put it in motion. Like, it's good to have be sympathized. And I felt like everybody just babied the hell out of him. Uh, right. And so it was just like, stop. Like, Right. So that's kind of the premise, right? So he is... He's 24 years old. He's living at home with his mom. He's basically yep. hanging out with his friends, smoking weed all day, uh, wallowing in his own sorrow. Living live the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> living the day. dream. <laughs> um, so his sister graduates from high school and goes off to college, and that basically leaves him and his mom. And yep. uh, um, you know, he's his sister advises him, get your shit together, stop, don't pick on mom, you know, leave her alone, and then move out. And that whole like the the main if I can if I can jump in that whole interaction with uh, when his sister gives him like the the paints Mm -hmm. like that could have been so much more. (laughs) You say the like he's just like okay like and you can be shitty with it and still have the characters like touch and connect or do something, but it was just like it was so shallow. I was like that scene really didn't do anything at all like so and his, it was it was supposed to be so impactful his sister is played by judd apatow's real life daughter uh with leslie mann uh do you know who leslie mann is i do not have you seen 40 year old not 40 year old version uh, this is 40 no oh my god you've got to watch this is 40 no, i'm messing up okay she's a she's amazing she's a very good actress um very attractive uh he's been she's been in a lot of a lot of judd apatow's movies lately they got married in 1997. I'm trying to think of some other movies that she's been in. Um, knocked Up. She plays a lot of minor roles, but she was oh, the, I remember, the main yeah, star. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I saw Knocked Up. Yeah. Okay. She's, yeah, so she plays a sister in Knocked Up, and that character eventually goes on to be like the main character in, in This Is 40. The movies are very loosely connected. Um, very funny. She was in Change Up, Modern Family, a couple episodes. Funny people. I gotta get into Modern Family. I've never seen that, and I've heard very good things. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's 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 probably one of the last great sitcoms that I think will come out. I mean, the sick sick sitcom sitcom genre, in my opinion. No, is sound great. it out. You got it. It's okay. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I don't know. That was such a, such a problem with that word, but so so his sister goes off to college, um, and. In one of his first outings with his friends, he's an up he's an aspiring tattoo artist. And he's at the beach and he's trying to convince his friends to let him tattoo them for the umpteenth time. They say no. And this kid comes walking up. And when I say kid, I mean he's literally probably like I, I initially ten thought years old. Yeah, gotta be ten years seven old. And ten Every, years old. Yeah. 
And uh, Pete attempts to give him a tattoo. And of course, as any, you know, seven to 10 year old would do, he, he initially is like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll take a tattoo. Then no, but, but, out. To, but to their credit, like he was a badass 10 <laughs> year old. Like, no, because his first couple interactions with the group, here's a 10 year old coming up to a bunch of like 24, 26 year old guys just hanging out, drinking, smoking weed. And you're like, oh, the kid's going to be scared. No, the kid's like, oh, I'm a badass. Like, right. You he know what I mean? It it. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, and how so far did they get, Bobby? How they, far did they get with that tattoo? He got a full line. He got one line on the yeah, arm. And then they had this great exchange where the kid's like, no, I changed my mind. He's like, well, I got to finish now. You're going to look stupid with a line on your arm. Nope. Takes off running. Kid takes off running. Uh, next scene is Bill Burr, uh, master comedian, shows up Dude, playing the kid's father. Perfect role for Bill Burr. I don't know how much of his stand-up you've watched. Oh, he's um, hilarious. But especially with, like, the fireman history and stuff like that, like, he's real big, like, like just blue blood, like, down-to-earth guy. I love his stand-up so much. And he's also rage-filled as hell, which I can identify <laughs> with. Like, so just is, swearing, is, just down-to-earth guy. <laughs> this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie, is this exchange between Bill and Pete through the door. So so Bill shows up to confront Pete and his mom about, you know, what the hell you let your 24-year-old son tattoo nine-year-olds for. And uh, Pete makes some comment about, like, oh, I thought he was 17. He's like, he looks like he's fucking four, you idiot. Like, uh, just, it's such a great exchange. Perfect for that. Yeah. And also, he like, he's behind his mom in the hallway. <laughs> like, and he keeps diving back in the hallway for protection. Like, it was perfect. His mom sends him to his room. And he's like, I want you to know I'm going to my room, but because I want to. <laughs> so, and this is, oh, this is probably great. 20 minutes into the movie at this point. And now for the next, I don't know, roughly hour and a half, it's this exchange between Bill Burr's character and Pete's mom, who is played by Marissa Tomei, and they they develop a relationship. And that relationship inspires her to essentially kick Pete out and say, you know, you're 24 years old. Stop being a loser. Go make something of yourself. Yeah. Well, I really like not for nothing, too, but like there was a little bit of character development, too, with Bill Burr, because you saw him like lash out his mom, like, what the hell you're paying for this? This is my which any parent would do, if not more like, holy right. crap, you tattoo a 10 year old. But then like he comes back and I feel like after he he got some insight into who it was, you know what I mean, where he was just right. kind of like, oh, shit, like I know who her husband was. I need to go apologize because, like, there's a subtle undertone of of family, like wolf pack for, you know, oh, the and everything like that. And, like, I felt like he was obligated because it was family. You know and what I mean? Firefighters, a, no matter where you are. Yeah, that plays a huge part later on in the movie, um, that connection uh, between Pete's father and Bill Burr, uh, Bill Burr's yeah. character, I should say. So, so Bill Burr said that uh, Pete was always the first person to show up on set and the last person to leave, that his work ethic was impeccable, which strikes me as, as odd. I mean, I, I guess it shouldn't because you know, I know a lot of stoners that are, you know, go against the norm of, of being stoners, but yeah. to hear that he was taking the role seriously, I mean, this is his first real lead acting position. Hopefully not his last. Like I said, I think he's very funny. I could go, I like, I was really excited about this movie and I kind of picked it to just see what he could do, but it was just so stereotypical for him. Yeah, you know I what mean, I mean? Ultimately, I think this is his movie. I mean, Judd Apatow, who has done a million different movies and become kind of the quintessential um, light comedy 
a director in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I think Pete Davidson is not only playing himself in this movie, but you know, all of the, all of his friends in the movie are his friends in real life. Yeah, it's Stop. semi. I swear to God, including oh, the, he needs to get new friends. <laughs> <laughs> so the the female, the love interest in the movie, um, which honestly I could have done without that side story. To me, it was kind of pointless. But there is a love interest in the movie that's actually a, a good friend of hers of his in real life, along with the other black waiter that he fights for tips. Another good friend of his in real life. Dude, that was a great scene. I love that. The first fight scene where they fight. I'm almost like, what's going on? Like, is it Fight Club? And they're like, great. basically, yeah, it's Fight Club with Hulk hands. And I'm like, I can get behind this. Like, no, I'm, I'm seriously considering this for a business proposal. It'll be Why great. Not? Yeah. The uh, So do you remember the party in the beginning? They had the graduation party for his sister. And there's an old man at the party that is is has a hilarious couple of lines about college and how it's worthless if <laughs> you should never go That's... and list all these people like <laughs> jeffrey dahmer and, and right. people who went to you know donald trump went to college like and it, oh my god it's a waste like the worst people go to college yeah. and then she goes well i maybe i shouldn't go then he's like no you should go you'll love it yeah it'll no, be great it's that, like complete real grandfather is it really? Yeah, his real grandfather in real life. He was he was hanging around on set so often, uh, wanting to watch his grandson star in the movie that they eventually said, "Screw it, just throw him in the scene. Let's see, let's see what he can do." He did great. Yeah, I, I thought that was so. an awesome scene. So, so uh, Bill Burr and Pete's mom are dating, and Pete is on a quest to get rid of Bill Burr, get him out of their life. And when I say quest, I mean, he takes very minor steps. I mean, Pete's character in general in this movie doesn't really do anything. He doesn't take, he doesn't put a whole lot of effort into much. That's no. for sure. He does find uh, Bill Burr's ex-wife uh, because he has to go and walk Bill's kids to and from school from the ex-wife's house. So he knows her at least cordially enough to go to her house and decides to try to have a couple of drinks with her. And at first, I was like, he's going to try to sleep with her. That's what I thought. I was actually disappointed that they didn't have a sex scene. I was like, this would have made things so much more complicated. It would have been so much more entertaining. Agreed. But instead, he just gets her drunk and decides to ask for dirt on Bill. Uh, he gets some, of course, because it's the ex-wife. Why wouldn't he? And then goes to his mom about it. And and Bill and Pete have this confrontation where... Pete essentially puts all his cards on the table and, and says, you know, I want you out. I don't like you. I think you're a POS and so on. And Bill just ultimately, he throws him in the pool, tells him to cool down. Um, and then this is when Pete's mom, Marissa Tomei, shows up and kicks them both out, essentially. See, yeah. if she didn't show up, though, I think they would have worked it out. I was actually really disappointed so that she broke it out because sometimes... I, I hate saying it and it's going to, it's, it's going to sound horrible, but sometimes you just got to bro out and like throw some punches and work your stuff out. Like one of my yeah, best no, friends in sure. college, we got into a, a bar fight and he won like a hard win, but like he picked me up, he bought me a shot and we became like inseparable ever since. Like sometimes like that's just how it goes and yeah. I'm not advocating violence <laughs> at all. Well, like the fight scene was funny too, because it weren't like, punches being thrown they were kind of like wrestling and like again pete davidson wasn't really putting a whole lot of effort into the fight 
Yeah, you know, I mean, he's just kind of like wiggling, and like, it was like a wet fighting a wet noodle. <laughs> he doesn't really put a whole lot of effort into anything in this movie, and I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the point of his character, which is ironic because he he essentially was just playing himself. I mean, I don't know him personally, but um, so he at this point he decides he's got no place else to go. Or I'm sorry, first he he's trying to sleep on friends' couches, and he ends up trying to sleep on somebody's back porch. Um, there's a couple cut scenes of that, but. Sooner or later, he's got no place to go, so he goes to the firehouse that Bill works at and ultimately is sleeping at as well and uh, just starts staying there. Um, we meet a couple other firefighters, most notably Steve Buscemi. Oh, Steve Buscemi. I was going to say, I immediately saw him. I'm like, Con Air. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. Uh, Steve Dude, great. there. There were a lot of little cameos in there that just like peppered the movie with fun. Oh, like, and he was definitely one of them. So Steve Buscemi is actually, or was a real life firefighter before he became famous as an actor. And during 9-11, he did go back to his his original firehouse and try to help out. Really? Is, I never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so Steve Buscemi takes a shine to him because he had served with Pete's father for about six months um, and, and basically tells Bill Burr's character, take it easy on him, you know, help the kid out. He obviously is in, in need of something. Well, again, there was one scene that really kind of impacted me. He was like, hey, did you know his dad? He's like, you know, I was I was I was there like I, I heard the call go out. And he's like, mm-hmm. what did you think when you first heard the call? And he was like, I, I wondered if he had any kids. Yeah. And he's like, there's one. And that was a turning point, I think, for uh, Bill Burr's character. Where yeah, I agree. Like he really reflected, but th- that was some good like progress, some good some good development, and it like it didn't turn a leaf for him, but he was more open, and he made a big decision. <laughs> yeah, he so he allows Pete to stay there at the firehouse. Um, Pete's got to obviously hop out, he's cleaning toilets and scrubbing the truck and everything. And he, oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, okay, I, I he. Yeah. So the, the ongoing character arc of of Pete in the movie is that he wants to be a tattoo artist. Uh, he does have a tattoo artist that's willing to give him an apprenticeship, which is a split cameo from Machine Gun Kelly, who plays this tattoo artist. Um, he's obviously yeah. tattooed all of his friends, but the, the the joke is that he's not very good at it. He's he screws up all the tattoos. They're real one dimensional. No, it it looks like a seven year old. It, it's bad. It's really like, bad. It's really bad. So, and this is the one thing I didn't understand about the movie. So, it's his tattoos are horrible. They're they're awful. But he does this amazing drawing for Bill's son. And well, if that, you remember too, like reflecting, like that. Uh, what was it? Fire ice or ice fire? Whatever his name was. Like that drawing was impeccable. But I think that's why his sister gave him, uh, the paints. Because she told him you need to expand your medium. You need, I, you know, I, she's probably seen his sketches or, you know, whatever. And she's like, this is the route he needs to go. So, but she didn't say that. She just gave those to him, which is why he's like, oh, I got to return these. Right. <laughs> so that's the confusing part, though. So is he good at drawing and not just not good at, at translating it to tattoos? Is that what we're supposed that's to believe? That's what I took from it. Like his heart was in tattoos, but the skill level just wasn't there. But that's what I think, you know, Bill Burr's character, that's what I made it so impactful. He's like, well, you need a canvas. Take me. You have all of me, all of it, whatever. Do whatever you need to do. Right, because he has and no tattoos at all. None. 
Yeah, and there's just cutscene after cutscene. It was almost a montage of just him tattooing Bill. And I'm like, this isn't gonna. I expected to see like <laughs> top left being like seven year old, and then bottom right being like masterful. Oh, see, I assumed for some reason I was like, okay, he's doing some sort of like firefighter mural on his back, and it's gonna be amazing. This, this reveal is gonna be amazing. So Bill's got these. Like each cutscene, he's got some rule for Pete. Like, hey, I don't want any Chinese symbols. I don't want any uh, uh, any unicorns. Yeah, no unicorns. You know, no unicorns. I don't want, no, peace no naked, signs. No naked women. Like, yeah, it's just it's hilarious. So the we get towards the end of the movie, and the firefighters are called out onto a job, leaving Pete the only one in the firehouse. He's sitting out front in a chair and this guy walks up who is do you, did you recognize the guy i did not the the, the gentleman that he walks up is like the guy from lost he is he's a famous rapper uh named action bronson and anybody who knows who action bronson is knows he has a very distinct look he's very heavy set um shaved head not bicked but pretty close and this giant red beard um he <laughs> famous rapper but then started getting into cooking. And when people realized not only does he know what he's talking about when it comes to cooking, but he's actually a very good cook. He's now become a cooking show host. No way. I need and, to look into this. Yeah, okay. He's known more now for his, um, his well-known travel program called fuck. That's delicious. True okay. story. So I'm going to fact check you later. Action Bronson shows up and he's got a wound in his abdomen and immediately Pete's freaking out. Um, And he's, he's trying to like, find like so weird about it. He's like, (laughs) what does he say? He's like, I fall on a thorn bush or one of my my favorite. (laughs) This is one of my favorite uh, act acting, acting in the movie. Is that he's got so so he plays this very mellow. He's gotten a disagreement with a friend of mine. He's asked, is it a gun? Did you get gun? Is it a gunshot? Did you get stabbed? And no, I fell in a thorn bush. He tells the nurse later, like like he he fell into a door or something like that, yeah, or he, yeah. had, he had bad uh, Chinese food. I think he said at one point. Like <laughs> it's it's so funny. He plays. It was it just so like the most obscure things that somebody <laughs> would try to do, but obviously he was trying to skirt like any sort of anything because he's like let me use your id let me do this and he kept coming up with like reasons why he got hurt it was awesome and yeah, like but like says, let, let me see your... was, was pretty good he's just like all right let's let's just get you into the hospital and he kind of had to coax him into the hospital it's like yeah. no, no 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 i can't you know i i, I can't involve myself and oh it was, was funny that was great so this is supposed to be like the representation that that I guess Pete's grown up a little bit. I mean, so he's got this scene where he essentially helps this guy, um, uh, presumably saves his life. He's losing a lot of blood, gets him to the hospital. Um, then he's got the other scene where he's on the Staten Island ferry and he tells the love interest who he's been uh, more or less we're, trying we're, to we're, avoid. We're, we're, we're jumping ahead though. Like let's, let's backtrack just a second. You said that's where that was a turning point for Pete. I, I felt like there was there was a couple scenes. There was two or three scenes where it was supposed to show him kind of developing and 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 growing a little bit. So and, listen, not for nothing. But if you see any random, if anybody sees a random person walking around, and not for nothing, the dude was asking for help. If you see somebody bleeding from the admin, 
uh, abdomen asking for help. Who the hell isn't going to help that person? So you you don't take this as a growth a growth spot? It's no, not even. He did the bare minimum. Okay, he might have <laughs> stolen a fire truck to take him to the hospital, and with the lights on and everything, he I don't know how he knew how to work the lights because I don't know if you've been inside one of those, but there's switches everywhere. So like, okay, cool. So like, he fixed the lights and he and he you know drove the guy to the hospital. But that's like. What person wouldn't do that? Like, that's what hit my mind is like, I know this is supposed to be a growth point, but he's doing basic human decency things. And honestly, I think that's the growth. I think so <laughs> we, I, I'm, I'm serious. He is described as like an asshole this whole movie. He's sarcastic. He doesn't care about anybody. He's almost got like an enhanced... um absence in in understanding other people and 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 social cues and to do the most basic i mean there's there's two big scenes that we actually skipped one of them is the scene where he's at the baseball game with the firefighters and they oh that was a good scene i love that steve buscemi his rebuttals were really really good yeah, so they have they have this moment where steve's talking about his dad and he's kind of talking strictly to bill about it a little bit and he meant, makes the comment, like, you don't really want to know what I think about firefighters or something along those lines. And yep. Steve Buscemi says, no, I, I do. Come on. But tell us tell us what you really think. And he goes into this almost monologue about you shouldn't have a family. You shouldn't have a wife and kids. You shouldn't tell somebody you're going to be there. And then one day you don't come home and you miss their their prom and their birthdays and so on. And and yeah but like dude the whole time i'm just like that's so selfish that's so like because obviously you know he wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for his dad and his mom meeting up like obviously right but like his dad's allowed to be happy his dad you know as they they told stories he was a person like you know at first you know he grows up and oh my dad's a hero my dad did this he had a great work i think he did that but then later on in the movie you find out Oh yeah, my dad loved Coke. Like loved he, Coke. he, you know, <laughs> knew people and they got in trouble with the cops and he kisses a cop on the mouth because it was like a friend from high school and he but was I, like I juggling think... on the front of a car. Like his dad was a person. But that's like, I think that's the point, is I think in that that scene shows that he only cares about himself. He only cares yeah. about the effect that his dad's death had on him. And yep. then the, the scene with Action Bronson kind of shows that he is now caring about somebody else. He's doing the most basic things you can to help somebody else. And I think the Action Bronson scene, in addition to the scene where he goes with the firefighters on the call and sees them hopping into a burning house, pulling people See, out. See, that was cool. Like, I, and he didn't say anything. He just watched and he was there. Right. Like, that was a cool scene because I saw him learning growing understanding and like, i think you know, those... the main character you know characters don't have to say anything to show growth i thought that was a more of a growth point than any other point in the movie i i agree but i think those two scenes together show that he's starting to understand about caring for other people and how that was the decision his father made it wasn't against him as the son it was to help others. And that's, you know, despite the the coke and the and the kissing the cop and all these other things, his dad was human. His dad helped other people. And yep. because of that, he should have some sort of honor and respect for that. Uh, I mean, well, or maybe I'm dad, just reading like, too much into it. I don't know. 
No, his dad worked hard and play hard. You know what I mean? Like that mentality. He was the first one there, the last one to leave. But also like he did shrooms, he did coke, like he drank a lot. Like that's, you know, but that's not like when it comes to like eulogies, people don't sweat the small stuff. You know what I mean? Like you could drink a little bit and still be a good person. And people, you know, when it comes to what they remember about you, it's a good thing. Defet Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. Defat Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with Defat Comics. So, like, our bike trip from Buffalo to New York City. That sucked so bad. And I went with my best friends, and there were days, days out of nine where I hated them. <laughs> like, my brothers. I hated my brothers. But, like, you don't remember that when you look back and you reflect. I think, holy shit, like, look at all the fun we had. We rescued this. We ended up taking, you know, two Ubers, and we met up together. And, like, all the good times, all, like, the nights in the campfire drinking, like, those are the parts I miss, not the parts where we were going to, like, literally punch each other in the face. Agreed. So it's like, but you have to have those high points. You have to say, like, this person was the first one there, the last one to leave. They had to make sure everybody was okay. They talked about his dad being like, he would rush in. It was instinct. Right. Just you know what I mean? That else. was cool. Yeah, I that agree. Cool. I think, so those two scenes, and then uh, the scene where he's on the ferry and he tells this love interest that he loves her, um, I think, which, I guess, that yeah, that was the end of the movie, which, okay, so. Okay, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just remembering now that that, that was, was the end of the movie. bullshit. So he no, oh my god, you you did not like the ending. Okay, so they're on the ferry. He tells her he loves her after like she's going to study or she's going to take the civil service exam because she's like driven. Granted, her dream is horrible. Yeah, because uh, you can't redo fix, Staten yeah, Island. Yeah, you can't fix Staten Island. That's fine. Um, but like, and I was like, cool, like. Because Pete Davidson is spending his whole time in the firehouse. And I'm like, he's going to take the civil service exam, too. I was like, thinking this, the same he's thing. Gonna, he's going to do this. And then, like, they, he quizzes her. And I was like, he's not. He doesn't know the answers to this test as it goes on. And I was like, he should know these if he's going to take it. <laughs> and then he drops her off or, or they're in front. And she's like, all right, I'm going to go take it. I'm expecting him to be like, oh, I am, too. Right. And nothing. But he doesn't nothing dude screw that i was so pissed i would have been like that would have been the that's where i wanted it to go obviously that's where the movie was heading and maybe they didn't do that on purpose but well so and this is my ultimate complaint with the movie Uh, like we had mentioned pete's character doesn't really do a whole lot of growth it's over two hours and at the end of the movie he is no different than the beginning of the movie other than He's not living with his mom anymore anymore. He's living at a firehouse and mooching off of them. Like there's really no difference. There's no difference. And to be honest, I think if I want to be cynical, I'd say he's using his dad as his his dead dad as a safety a net because Absolutely. he knows that like I always have a home at the firehouse. That's why he goes there. He doesn't go there for Bill Burr. 
Like right. he knows, like if I set foot in here, they're going to accept me no matter what, instead of standing on his own two feet. It's just bullshit. Like I yeah. was so pissed off at the end of the movie. Oh my I, God. I agree. I think ultimately, you know, we watch movies so that we can be taken on this journey with these characters and you want some sort of investment and you want some sort of payoff on that investment. And I, return I just, on investment. I'm right. spending over two hours on this movie exactly. and I want to see some sort of resolution, some sort. And besides him and his girlfriend, which was like, he just didn't care at all when his girlfriend right. brought, you know, some guy she met on Tinder into the restaurant. He's like, okay, cool. What can I get you? And just no emotion, right. nothing. It didn't hurt him at all. It didn't, it wasn't a struggle. It wasn't anything. And that's the other issue I have is that I see, you know, he says the, I love you. She goes in and take the civil service exam. I mean, if this movie carries out another, you know, hour, I see her, she passes, she gets a good job and he goes and mooches off of her. Like, I, I don't see any growth with him. I think like reflecting on it, I think it was supposed to represent like the possibilities. Cause if you remember like the last scene, it pants up to the New York city skyline. And, like, you see his eyes, like, and I really thought it was kind of like an opening. So, like, yeah, anything's possible. I can do whatever I want. I'm in the city now. So is, never is that the message then? Show. Is like, that the message? Maybe? You just you got to get out of Staten Island. Like, that's, that's, that's what you need to do. I'm... It's such a shithole. You just got to leave. <laughs> yeah, as have you ever you been there? Foot. I have. No, you immediately, <laughs> when you go in, you're like, I, I, I fucked up. I need to leave this place right now. As soon as you go to New York City, you're automatically a better person. I mean, um, yeah, so, no, that, that happens. That's, that's a thing. <laughs> so, assuming that his character does have some form of change in the movie, or that's what they're at least trying to project. What do you see as being the catalyst for that change? Like, what was the point where it was like, okay, this is where his character starts to move the needle a little bit. So I would like to say his sister, because his sister gave him the watercolors and that was, you know, Towards the end of the movie, you realize he's better with sketching and painting than he is with anything else, uh, especially tattoos. Jesus Christ. Um, but I really think when Bill Burr was like, you need a canvas, I'm your canvas. I think that was it. When somebody just kind of made the ultimate sacrifice. But even even still, it's hard to say because he was like, OK. You know, right. he, he, he was himself. He's like, all right. Like, like I've seen him in stand-up and he does the same thing. It's just kind of like, whatever, who cares? And he, like, even in his stand-up, he makes a joke about, like, little kids. And it's like, this is going to be weird. But, like, whatever. And he just goes on it. And it's funny, but you're like, dude, this is, like... <laughs> this is like, really if dark. You gave a shit, this would be really weird. Yeah. No, there were some, uh, there were some dark moments in the movie, too. We're just going around, like, the opening scene. You just skipped right past the opening scene. The opening scene. Remind me again. What happens in the opening scene? Okay, so he's driving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that was a dark... And there's a phrase. I forget what it is. But it's because everybody has like those thoughts. Every single person. I don't care who you are, how happy you are. But everybody has those thoughts where it's like, what if I end it all? Like, if you're standing on a cliff edge, like, what if I jump? If I'm... You know, what if I just turn the wheel to the right while I'm driving? And there's a there's a phrase for it. And I forget what it is. It's another language, but uh, like Greek or something, because it's it's super old. But it's like the call of the darkness. Oh, yeah. And like 
that's what I thought that scene represented was just like, because he's really close to the call of the darkness because he's so like not happy with anything he's doing and he's hiding behind like drugs and weed and he doesn't drink much, uh, but he uses that to kind of like, I don't know, kind of skate around things and use it as an excuse almost. But like that opening scene like connected with me a little bit because I was like, I've, I've I've been there. Like I get it. Yeah, so he has he, the the scene that you're talking about is he's driving um on on a expressway or on a street or something like that and he has this moment where he decides he's going to close his eyes. Mind you this is broad daylight. He closes yep. his eyes and he opens them at the last minute to see there's a no, you know, no, but he closes his eyes for a very for a very long, long time. The, he like them, too long. <laughs> he opens them at the last minute. The cars in front of him have stopped. He slams on his brakes and then veers out of the way cuz he's not going to stop in time. Ends up cutting some it's guy up, off. Yeah, yep. yeah there, there's there's a he the the other car bumps into another car and they pull over and and he essentially just drives off and is thankful to be alive. But yeah, it's a really dark scene. I, I did. You're right. I, I forgot all about that. And um, there's a couple points like where he like references that a little bit. Like I don't know, especially when he's talking like at the baseball uh, game, and like he talks about his dad. Like you see the darkness coming out of him. Like the anger, you know, the, the letdown, the hurt. But ultimately, dude, like, your dad died saving people. Right. Like, where would that family be without him? Like, there there has to come a point where you get a certain amount of clarity to things. And you say, would, okay, if my dad were to pass, when he passes, because that's, that's going to be a thing, I'll be devastated. Like, ultimately just destroyed i will be inconsolable for for months but ultimately there's going to point in time where i know i'll be doing him an injustice because right. i will be wallowing and i will be not myself and i'll not I'll, I'll you know i could lose everything and that's not what he wants he wants me to be successful to push forward to you know have a family be happy and like i'm not doing him any honor by just wasting my life away. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I think so. Pete's done a, a, quite a few interviews, especially surrounding the, the movie about his father's passing, and he said that ultimately, you know, he was ten or so when his dad passed. I mean, he was yep. he was in the midst of development, and there was so much presentation around it um, about his father being a firefighter who passed, especially in nine eleven, and he said that he just. That, people thought they were helping him, but he just, it was, it was constantly a topic. Uh, he actually went to the white house and received a medal from president Bush. Stop um, it. Swear to God. And he says like, what was the point of that? Like, what was, what, what, what was I receiving? Why was I receiving this? It was just a constant reminder. They, they, there's uh home videos of him at football games and going in the middle of the field and getting, you know, this, that, and the other thing or shaking hands with so-and-so. Um, and I think that, you know, I mean, I could totally envision those things happening, especially surrounding 9-11 and the war in Iraq, is you're, you're uh, parading these, these kids of fallen firefighters in front of the world as a constant reminder to us to be more patriotic. But it's going to also serve as a constant reminder to them of what they've lost. And he said that he really struggled with, um, accepting it because it was such a topic of conversation. Well, it's a topic of conversation, but ultimately it shouldn't have been presented to him. Right. It should have been presented to his mom. 
in you know her husband's memory or like what place does a kid have of 10 you know at 10 you're dealing with so much and especially to have that over your head your whole life like that's just that's shitty like because then you're living in your dad's shadow and if you want to open up a, a tattoo restaurant and not be a firefighter which is a fine decision you can go out and do whatever you want you know give it your all be successful fail give it your all again you know try whatever you're gonna do like it, it just i don't know it, it it provides like i agree with you a consistent reminder and i feel like it's just like i don't know it's just garbage it's gonna like be it. tough yeah so yeah, um yeah. i didn't find any information online about the budget for this film normally i would tell you what the film made versus <laughs> what it costs but i can find nothing dollars. Yeah, it was, it was a privately funded movie. It's considered low budget. Um, I can tell you right now, it, it was released on June 12th. So it's coming up to the one month mark. It's made $45,000. Of course. Uh, 40 of which are between us. Which is great. <laughs> Hindsight I, should have shared that $20. Not <laughs> worth $20, by the way. Not worth $20. Not uh, worth I think, $20. The, I, I, I owe you a movie. six pack. I could I could see this movie because it being a Judd Apatow movie, you know, making substantially more, providing the movie theaters were open and we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. Well, um, also, it got pulled from drive-ins. Did you know yeah. that too? Because I there was a controversy where where it was pulled, and I don't know why. Uh, but so, like, it was just immediately pulled from drive-in movie theaters. Yeah, so I can I can tell you why. So originally, it was set to be released in drive-ins. In fact, it went so far as drive-ins were advertising it and even selling tickets. To the yeah. opening opening night, um, the studio ultimately came to them and said, "Listen, we've we're not gonna we're not gonna do this. We're either going to wait a year and release it in theaters, or we have a substantial contract with Amazon's VOD uh, VOD television, and they'll buy it and they'll release it. But that ultimately means it's not going to drive-ins." And um, Judd Apatow said, "You know, we we made the decision to release early because we just the hype was surrounding it, and we thought we could." benefit more now um i mean and they failed yeah i did i I think either avenue was probably going to be a lose-lose i hope this doesn't ruin his like film career because like it's in the middle of the pandemic i get that we're kind of coming out but like i don't twenty dollars to rent the movie i was like okay like yeah it is but i'm like i want to see it we'll see how it goes uh, I would have much rather been in a theater seat with a bottle of tequila and maybe some Sprite and like on a maybe. matinee for $14 and had fun there. But like, whatever. Um, I just, I just felt like they did it wrong. Yeah. I think they did the movie wrong, to be honest with you. I'm not, a, I wasn't a fan. I, there were scenes I liked. Um, there but were ultimately, so, yes, there were like six scenes that I chuckled and I was like, that's great. And then there were like a couple scenes where I was like, oh shit, all right, it's getting deep. But that's it. Like there was not, it was a movie I'd watch while on my cell phone. That was, that was what the movie was. Agreed. So I have, uh, I have five questions that I ask every guest. Um, They are unchanged from movie to movie, but I think they apply to pretty much every uh, act of cinema that we have nowadays. Uh, So the first question is what aspect of the storytelling do you think was done right? Ah, oh, I want to say the supporting characters because they were 
just peppering of big stars and supporting roles that just made the movie fun to watch. Um, I really wish they they went a little bit like, you know, uh, Bill Burr, like he was more of a like a, a, you know, a star, if you ask me, but like ultimately a supporting role. Uh, Steve Buscemi was great. Uh, there were a lot of people where I'm like, oh, shit. And it was just it was, it was really cool because it kept me involved and kept me interested in the movie. Not because, yeah, I recognize that face, but because they did a good job. Like, I thought Steve Buscemi's character was phenomenal. Uh, he was kind of like the dad of the firehouse, the head of the wolf pack. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, you know what I mean? And he was just, he listened. When it came to the, the baseball scene, you know, he's like, no, 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 no. Let him go. Like, let him let him say this. And he was yeah, I, more of just a a guide as opposed to pulling people in the direction or making decisions. He was a, He was a leader. Because he let everybody voice their opinion and he let people make their own decisions. And like freaking A, man, there was so much of that. Yeah, I like Steve Buscemi. I think he's a really good actor. Oh, he's great. Did you ever watch Boardwalk Empire? No. Oh, he plays the main character. It's a TV series based in 1920s. Or no, it would be 1930s. I don't know. Steve Buscemi. I love that he's in Hollywood because... <laughs> like I'm not the prettiest guy ever. I get that. I'm like a six, maybe a seven after I get my hair cut. But Steve Buscemi is like an ugly motherfucker. Yeah, he <laughs> like, really is. He's bad. But he's but he plays like the coolest roles, man. Oh, he's great. Um, yeah. So, what aspects of the storytelling do you think were done wrong? Obviously, the main character, the character development of any, like especially the mom. Like, I think the last scene we've seen of the mom, one of the last, is, like, she's got plants in her house, and she just kicks uh, kicks him out, basically, because yeah. she's, she's sitting down with her friend, and she's like, that's great, I don't give a fuck. And then, like, she just, like, is like, there's the door, go have fun. Uh, when his mom was so caring so much throughout the whole scene, too much so, if you ask my opinion, he needed some tough love, obviously. Uh, still living at home when you're 26, not that there's anything wrong with that, if there's any people that listen to this that are 26 living at home but get a job um but like no man like i just i just didn't really like the development it, yeah. it was it was hard uh it was hard to stay into the movie when nobody really moved yeah no, i agree i think very well said um all right my second question what is the biggest unanswered question of the movie and do you think this was done intentionally what does he do does he open the restaurant or not? Like, and yes, I think it was done intentionally because because of that last scene. Like, I got mad, almost as mad as when I watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail for the first time, where it's like they're having that fight scene and then it just cuts to static. I'll never. I was like twelve or thirteen, <laughs> and my dad made me watch the movies. Like, just watch the movie. You have to watch the movies. It's like one of the things my dad was like, "You got to do." Uh, in order to become a man. So I'm like, all right, I'll be a man. This is great. And then it just cuts out. I'm like, well, where's the second tape? And he goes, nope, nope, there is none. That's it. And I was kind of like, well, what the shit? (laughs) And then he was like, watch your mouth. I'm going to beat you. Like, no, that's... (laughs) But like this movie kind of left you like that. It was just a pan up at the skyline. You see the the wonder on his face and then that's it. And I was just kind of like... Well, is he going to follow his dream of the tattoo restaurant? Is he going to do the fire department? 
you know, and join his family. Cause honestly, like those dudes are the family, like right. not, not to diminish his family, but like the fire department housed him when he didn't have a place to go. They treated him like one of them, even though he really wasn't, um, you know, those guys were a wolf pack to a T and it was just like, it was awesome. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I was really disgruntled with that ending, man. That was just crap. Yeah, I mean, I think after after two hours and fifteen minutes for a character not to move is that's pretty disappointing. And like, um, maybe he made small movements, but when you say didn't move, like you're you're pretty much spot on. Like, screw that, because he told the girl he loves her, and like, yeah, that's a moment. But you knew that based on the interactions earlier. Mm-hmm. So you can be. Like, I have communication problems. That's fine. Everybody does. But I, st- I still drop L-bombs, you know? Like, <laughs> God. So, uh, okay, uh, question number three. Personal connection is very important. Was there anything that happened in the movie that reminded you of a real-life story that happened to you? Ooh, that's a good question. Ah, oh, shit. I would say the only thing that really stuck out to me that I identified is, uh, okay. So like recently I've been like house hunting and do and doing all this stuff in like a pandemic, which is shit in a housing market, which is like a seller's market. So everybody's overbidding. Everybody's doing all this. So it's just garbage. So I moved out of like a really nice place, you know, into a place to stay for like a couple months, month to month lease. And it really rough. You know what I mean? Working, you know, all the time just to be able to like save enough money for the down payment on the house. And like things got dark. And like that opening scene really like caught me a lot because, you know, at least personally, I was struggling with that for a while. You know, is it worth all the struggles? Is it worth all the pain? Should I just like turn right or should I do this? And it was like, it's a struggle I think we all go through at times. You know, some are more worse than others, but like we've all been there. And it was yeah, just like, I agree. watch him like close his eyes and like, you're like, oh shit, like he's not happy. He's really dealing with some things. Like that was a real good glimpse. I fell into his own personal psyche that attached to the audience as a whole. And I really was hoping for more of that throughout the movie, but there wasn't like, I, you don't have to be super dark with it, uh, but I was really hoping to connect more with that main character after that first scene, and I wasn't able to. It's it really rough. Very well put. Uh, question number four. What is the most important sequence in the movie? The college party. Really? That was just fun. Like I'm, I'm not, Probably not the most important, but that was like <laughs> the most fun for me was watching this like socially awkward as fuck guy like go to this college party which he's like six years too old for uh and just like connect with people and like yeah he had like a little fling there for a minute but like be with his sister and then like he connected with his sister right there that was the part that like kind of almost solidified their relationship because in the end it didn't by the way there were a lot of middle fingers in this movie and i felt like if we were to dive deep there'd be a lot of meaning to it but I didn't, I, I, I didn't really, you know, take notes or anything like that. So, uh, but like the college scene was just fun. It, it just showed him like actually like letting loose and having a good time with people. 
Which is crazy to me because honestly, that's kind of what I anticipated the movie being about. Not really about, but I, I like instead of showing him as a secluded stoner that hangs out with the same three people and just smokes in a basement, I kind of saw him in the previews as being more of the college party, you know, crazy stoner, you know, if, if you will. Yeah. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think he does, definitely has this bonding moment with his sister in that scene where they're both enjoying the same thing. They're both acting like what, real people. What did they fight about at the end? They talked, oh, it was... Uh, he it was he contemplates going... Oh, the, the, oh yeah, exactly. So he, he contemplates yeah. going to college because he has such a good time at the party and uh, then moves on. And his sister's like, really, that's it? You're going to contemplate college 40 for seconds, 40 seconds? That's all seconds? you're going to do? Yep. And he's like, well, I, I think that was you know, a pretty good amount of time. Um, I but also, he didn't topics. graduate college right. or high school. Like, how do you not graduate high school in 2019? Is that possible? I mean, his dad died. Again, like, a crush. <laughs> everybody's understanding and everybody's appreciative of, of his dad and his dad. And he's just riding the freeloader boat. Like, yeah, that I was think... such bullshit. Like, be your own person. Oh, I was such 100%. I have I have a lot of respect for people who go through hard times, especially hard times that aren't self brought on. You know, you get you get dealt a shitty hand, um, but on the same token, they don't last forever. And I think at some point you've got to you know pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and get back in there. And he just hasn't gotten to that point. And it's, it's hard though. Like I I've been through those times, and I like I said I identify with those characters' dark times because like there's times where I haven't seen the light at the end of the tunnel. But like you just have to keep pushing. Yeah. Once you see the light, it's all over because you know there's the end. That's it. But like that's a human drive. That's like a basic human necessity. Is you just keep pushing. You keep pushing against all odds. And some of the best success stories in history are against all odds Agreed. when there's no point of success and it's just like you gotta remember that no matter what and he just doesn't care doesn't remember doesn't doesn't do much yeah well said um okay fifth and last question if you could recast two roles in the film what would they be who would you cast in them and why oh that's a tough call um Shit. Let me think. Uh, if I could recast two roles, I hate to say it, and and I know it was made for him, but I would recast Pete Davidson. <laughs> Obviously, right? Like, you have to. <laughs> but also, I don't know if that was just a script writing or him. Well, so you, here's you know, the thing. You've got to ask yourself, if they were to change the script to a more... Uh, successful role, a more a more uh, growth role. Could he pull it off? He might rise to the challenge. I'd I I appreciate you know the ability of a, a more challenging scenario and people rising to the role. Um, but I think, like we said in the beginning, this was made for him, and I don't think he gives a lot of care into what he does, and I think that's kind of the allure of him as a stand-up comedian is that he just says what he says and he does what he does and that's kind of it and doesn't really give two shits what anybody says thinks and doesn't put much effort into it and i think that's you know not diminishing his stand-up because stand-up's freaking hilarious because of that fact uh and i think this movie was typecasted for him 
you know, and and he probably had a lot of say in in what happened. Uh, but besides him, I thought all the supporting characters were great. I thought they did show depth. I loved his sister. There's not, you know, yelling at him a couple times doing that. Bill Burr was freaking amazing. I want to see him in more. Um, so, like, yeah, man, I, I don't know. That's a tough call because was it the script writing or was it Pete Davidson himself that was like, I'm just going to not care. It, it's who, hard to hate the movie versus hate the character. Who would you uh, replace him with if you could? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like only because you mentioned him earlier, I feel like a, bit, a Bill Hader would be really good in that role. You think so? He might be a little too old to play the twenty-four-year-old, um, but I I like him. I think he's funny. I could see him. I could see him in that kind of role. It's a it's a tough call. I don't I don't know. Okay, well, I got one more segment. I like to play with my guests. This is my favorite segment to do. Uh, if you're not familiar with uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it is a website online that rates movies and allows viewers to rate <laughs> movies. Don't, why do you describe Rotten Tomatoes? It's, it's Rotten 2020. Tomatoes. We're supposed to have hoverboards. Everybody knows what Rotten Tomatoes are. Like, if you don't know what it. Rotten Tomatoes is, then you just shouldn't. You shouldn't know. You're not, you're <laughs> then not just allowed stop. To. Just stop. Yeah. So what I like to do is play a game called Guess That Tomato, where I would like my guest to guess the viewer score on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie. This movie is The King of Staten Island. And I will tell you right now, it has over 1,300 votes right now. Really? That many? That many. And They're it ranking... only made like $44,000, you said? Yeah, so far. Yep. At 20... I mean, you could probably do the math. At 20 bucks a ticket, <laughs> that's, that's roughly 1,000 people that have seen this movie. Okay. That's not a lot. So don't bring this up in the workplace, folks. This is a movie for you. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm going to guess... Like it was passable. Like I wasn't upset by it, but it was uh it kept me watching. I have to say that. Like no matter what, it did keep me watching. Like I answered a couple texts, I did a couple things while I was watching it. Uh but ultimately it did keep me on the screen. So I want to say like a 68, 72. Okay. And here's the curveball. Now I'm gonna give you three movies that are within two points. Of this one. Okay. And we'll see if you want to change your score. Those three movies are Avengers Infinity War, oh, Deadpool, <laughs> Deadpool in trouble. and John Wick. Okay, we're lowering that score. <laughs> and, and the really score, John Wick, Infinity War, and Deadpool got yes, that low. They're they're all within two points of the King of Staten Island. So Can I'm we gonna just rag on Rotten Tomatoes for a second for just getting it all wrong. Well, I'm going to ask you, do you want to change your guess? <laughs> yes. Based on that. 43. 43? You, you're lowering it compared to those movies? Those movies were epic, and I love them, and they have a special plate in my heart, and I'm going to get a couple of those tattooed on my arm, which is currently in progress. So yes, yes, we're going we're gonna to lower that score. So, so just to just to reiterate, the King of Staten Island was within two points of those movies. Stop it! Right. So, do you want to change Stop your it. guess? No, you're a liar. I swear to God. 
I'm gonna fact check you after this phone call. <laughs> go, go for it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna berate you. Uh they're within two points. Within two points of the King of Staten Island. Ah shit. Sixty-four then. Sixty-four. The actual <laughs> audience score on Rotten Tomatoes right now, eighty-six. What? I know, right? Eighty-six percent. The critic score is seventy-two percent, which is slightly more believable. I just don't see it. How are I think I think what ultimately did this movie wrong? It was too long and there wasn't yep. enough growth in the main character. I think you, you, you fix those two simple things and the movie would have been awesome. No, I see I don't even mind the length. Like I don't have a lot of time to kill. Like I I, I work a shit ton. But like if I'm gonna make the commitment to a movie, I'm in. Like that's it. Uh, and I don't mind length, but I do agree with the character development. It was literally, out of all the movies I've seen, it was the least growth as far as character development I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I can honestly say. Any so, any God. final thoughts you want to you wanted to give on this movie? Ah, uh, don't pay twenty dollars to rent it. Uh, but it is a good watch. Like I did enjoy it at times. Like, like I said, the supporting characters are great. Uh, it's peppered with humor. There were a couple points where I, I literally laughed out loud just because of the witty banter, especially the fight scene between Pilper and him. Uh, that was freaking hilarious. Uh, but ultimately, like, I, I don't know. I just thought it was typecasted for him, obviously. Uh, Pete Davidson does great. I really do hope, uh, you know, he, he does good in his career and he, and he keeps doing his standups. Awesome. If anybody's never seen it, uh, go for sure. He's a riot. We had a couple drinks and we just had a great time watching him. Uh, but yeah, they lower the price a little bit, like 10 bucks, like seven bucks rent it. Like it's, it's a pretty good watch. Nice. So it is a firm belief here at Don't Forget a Towel that everybody geeks out on something, whether it's legitimate geek stuff like movies, comic books, and TV shows, or it's just your personal geeky things. So we ask every guest on all of our podcasts, Sean, what are you geeking out on right now? Oh, God. I keep watching updates. (sighs) Yeah, on, on Marvel. I keep waiting for the next one. It's been far too long. I need, I need, I need another Marvel movie. Uh, they keep teasing who the next big bad villain is, uh, but nothing's been said for sure. Uh, other than that, it's the Council War that's up and coming because I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to do another Xbox or another PlayStation. Ooh, yeah, no, that's a tough call because like I fell out of line with my social group on Xbox. Like I just stopped playing so much. And now I just play by myself. So do I want to go PlayStation or do I want to go Xbox? But I think Xbox is going to undercut for the price. So they might have me there. It's uh, true. Ultimately, so I missed my Marvel movies. The The PlayStation is set to be released uh, $500, which is a hefty price tag. But have you seen the uh, video games? Have you seen the, the gameplay from it's? Unbelievable. Oh, my God. They've got um, Miles Morales coming out. Yeah. Dude, are you kidding me? And now for nothing, I missed the last Spider-Man. Like, PlayStation just has better exclusives. Like, you can't... I'm an Xbox fanboy. I love it. But I only love it what it's good at, which is the social networking. Like, I remember doing raids on Destiny, 
for hours. I remember Call of Duty for hours with my 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 bunch of guys, like my gang, and we'd kill it. But like I don't get to do that much anymore. Now like I actually bought a a Wii or not a Wii a Switch just for uh Zelda. Which oh, nice. I love. Yeah. But that's like my personal shift in gaming. It's it's more for story, it's more for just me, you know, interacting. So I think I might go PlayStation. Don't tell anybody because there's going to be a lot of angry people. I'm sure nobody will hear this. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> everybody's going to hear this. Well, I really appreciate you being my guest. Thanks for the movie suggestion um, and the waste 20 bucks. I will take you up on those beers. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely owe you a couple of beers, but but some good stuff. No, uh, no White Claws. No Trulies. <laughs> no. I, I, do you drink those? Stop. Come on. No, I do not. I do not. Okay, if, I, if I'm drinking... It, it depends. Like I, I'm a mixed drink kind of guy. I don't. The beer makes me like bloat it, and especially now that I'm getting older. Um, yes. But if I'm going beer, I'm usually only going to have one or two anyway. So it's like. Okay. What about I, mixed drinks? Let's go. Let's go. Fun stuff. What are you doing? Ooh. Uh, I personally like the a Cobra, which is uh, 50-50 on Kahlua and soda water. It tastes like chocolate soda. It's amazing. You heard it here, here folks. Try it for sure. Um, You're adorable. But, <laughs> Come on, keep going. Uh, Jack and Coke, uh, rum and Coke. I'm not big on soda, though. You don't so... do anything straight. Uh, You're a classic guy. We got to get you on straight whiskey. We're, we're going to do that. A friend of mine since since elementary school has just switched to straight whiskey, and I I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm doing straight tequila and straight whiskey normally now Jesus. uh basil hayden uh which is a bourbon and kind of a whiskey and then casamigos for tequila but the añejo uh which is just it's a little pricey but like you can literally drink that at room temp and be good and for tequila that says a lot uh but for bourbon basil hayden it oh my god i'm buying you a bottle just because it's great stuff that's insane have you have you heard of this um Red Eye Louis company who has created a tequila mixture. So they have they have tequila no, and vodka. What? Yeah. what? They have tequila and vodka mixed. It's called vodkila. Uh and they it was it became so popular that they've released other versions. I believe they have like a tequila and whiskey, a tequila and rum. Okay, I'm I'm writing this down right now. Red Red Eye Louis. Okay, done. Uh, the only other thing I drink, which is brand new, is I started buying bottles of sake. Because you always Jeez. go out for sushi, and you're like, yeah, sake. That's a great idea. And I'm like, oh, I wonder how much it is in the liquor store. 12 bucks a bottle, and you can drink like a half a bottle in a night and get good. Like you're fine. Everything's great. You're having a great time. And then save the other half of the bottle for the next day. I've like never had sake. Bucks. Oh, my. What? You never had sake. Is it okay, you can drink it warm, right? Uh you can do it. I, I love it warm. I'll put it in the microwave like one minute and you're done. Uh some people like it cold, that's fine. Like good they're wrong, but they're entitled to <laughs> that's okay. I don't I'm not a big warm drink fan. I don't know if I could do a warm uh, Real, hot cider sake. with a little bit of uh whiskey in there. You've never done that? Ooh, I've done hot cider before. Ooh, I turned I turned them on a little bit. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's a good one. This is we're gonna go right into the next podcast. <laughs> All right, John. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. Uh, I will talk to you soon. 
and everybody thanks for listening bobby thank you so much for having me on everybody have a great night and watch Staten island ish <laughs> have a good one What's up, Brasif? Not too much. You are on a nasty echo right now. Do you oh, have God. headphones? Uh, I do. Let me hook them up. Hold on. I don't know if it'll help. Otherwise, I'm going to have to put you right on the earpiece. Right on the old earpiece. Yeah, because it's it's 2020 and nobody's invented good good anti-echoey things yet. Is this on your phone? Yeah. You're going to get a, a labby top, man. Dude, I don't have any of that. Hold on. Boom. <laughs> Is that better? Perfect. Okay. Oh, goodness. You sound crisp. You're on a microphone. You I classy am a son of a gun. I, I do a lot of podcasts. Yeah, apparently. This is a new one. Uh, is that better or is that echoey? Because I just found my earpiece. It's not It's not bad. You sound a little far away, but I think I think it'll be fine. Okay. All right. Screw that. We're going to go back to regular then. I just need to... Uh... Oh, God. Let's just roll with that. I like that better.